You are listening to Holy Words from Holy Cross, the sermon podcast of Holy Cross Evangelical Lutheran Church in Nazareth, Pennsylvania. We hope you find these words a blessing in your daily walk with God. Please visit us on the web at www.holycrossnazareth.org or in person at 696 Johnson Road, Nazareth, Pennsylvania. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart, not be all else to me, save that thou This time you get to sit for a while. Last time it was like those readings were short, so you were down and then up. And then. <laughs> but it was not far from here, uh, a landlord who had many, many uh, rental properties, some ranging for the very high end and some that were less expensive. But he had done very well for himself and he was known for driving around town in a really nice car all the time. Um, But he was also very scrupulous about his business dealings and he liked the rent to be paid on time. If the rent was not paid on time, rather than send a uh, building manager to collect, he would visit his tenants himself and ask for payment. Well, he walked into uh, one of the poorer uh, rental properties that he had, and um, one of the less expensive ones. And uh, when he went in there and said, you know, look, we're, we're 10 days past due, it's time. And uh, the, the family that was living there began cursing him and swearing at him and saying, you know, you have all this money, we don't have anything, how can you, you know, can't you just cut us a break here? And, and, and he looked around the apartment and he said, well, you have more money than I have. And they took them back. And he pointed at the pizza boxes and the wrappers from the fast food. And he said, when I get up in the morning, I cook my own food. And then I come back at lunchtime and do the same thing. And I do the same thing at dinner. I don't eat out all the time. You must have more money than I have. Shocking and harsh words. But it raises an issue for us. How much is rich? How rich is rich? How much is enough? Most people think of rich this way. Rich is everyone who has more money than I have. (laughs) And then, people who have about as much money as I have, we work for a living. And maybe people who have a lot less than I have, maybe, maybe they count as poor. It's just like when, you know, you're driving in the car. And everyone who's driving faster than you is a maniac. And everyone who's driving slower than you is a moron. (laughs) How much is too much? There's lots of scriptural injunctions telling the rich rich to beware. How much counts as rich? When Lisa and I were first married, um, we lived on $7,000 our first year in Ann Arbor, Michigan, which we were told by a friend who had moved in from Berkeley, California, that the rent was higher there. So I'm not really sure how we did it. We, just, we lived on beanbag chairs and ramen noodles and love, you know? <laughs> um, but people said to us, even as we were living that way, they said, you know, the time is coming. So as you do better in life, things that used to be a luxury will become a necessity. And um, that's, I, I thank Pastor Kerry Newoff of, of Canada for his under, the understanding he gave to me of, of the, progression, the progression of attachment to things that we have. 
Um, this is how it goes. When we start with very little in life, and that's true for almost all of us. Um, and our progression of attachment to things goes like this. It goes from better to more to different. Now, when we are first starting out and you have next to nothing, anything will do. When I was a college student, there was no piece of furniture too ratty at the side of the road that it might not end up in the trunk of my car and end up in my apartment. <laughs> and I'm not just talking about the big wooden spool that we all had. <laughs> you know. And it was wonderful when you know you had, were finally earning enough money to go to the used furniture store and get something clean, at least, even if it was worn. And how amazing that ten years after I was married, we bought our first new stick of furniture. <laughs> better. We were we were aiming for better. That's the first step on our journey of attachment to things. And then the next step is more. You have enough, you have good things, but you want a few more of those good things. If, if a little is good, more is better. And so I can tell you what that looked like in my life, in, in a particular area of my life, guitars. My beginner guitar was so bad that I should have not been able to play it at all. And so the first step was to buy a better guitar. And then I had a good working guitar. Um, well, then I needed two guitars more because when you play a gig, if you break a string, then you need a second guitar. You don't have time to restring your guitar. Okay, there was some justification for that, but then I learned to build guitars. And when you start to build things, if you, anybody have a friend who's into like their car a lot and they tinker with it, yeah, guitars are like that too. There's always a new part you can find and switch in to see if it changes the sound and you mess around with it. Uh, and so I started to get more guitars because I built one and I really liked it, but there were some things I would do differently. So I built another one and I built, I built another one and pretty soon I had more. Definitely more than I could play at any one time. And then the progression after. When you have lots and lots, then the only way to make it, it, keep it interesting is to get something different. That's when you start saying things like this to people. Have you seen my collection? <laughs> my collection of... My one aunt collected Beanie Babies. She had over 300 of these things. Uh, not Beanie Babies. What a, Snow Babies. These little things you used to get in the Hallmark store. Uh, I show my collection of guitars. Some people show their collection of cars or their collection of cigars. It's different. See, it's not just that I love... Okay, one of my favorite books is The Lord of the Rings. I'll talk about it a little bit later. But they, you know, it's not just... In every edition of The Lord of the Rings, the words are the same. But this is when you bring someone to your house and you say, Have you seen my first edition? <laughs> and Tolkien signed it. <laughs> you know, it's different. Our attachment to things is subtle and insidious. And the young man who came to Jesus today was attached to his things. And he, was, he didn't know it. His own religiosity, his own scrupulous observance of God's law had hidden this idolatry from him. He throws himself, he comes running to Jesus, throws himself at Jesus' feet and says, Teacher, what must I do to have eternal life? And Jesus runs through the list of the commandments and I did all those. 
I've been doing them since I was a kid. He must be right where he needs to be, right? Well, Jesus, we're told, looking at him, loved him. So the extremity and harshness of this next injunction by Jesus must be put in that context. We have to hear it as Jesus doing what love requires for this young man. And he says to him, you lack one thing, sell everything you have. Give to the poor and come follow me. We're told the young man walked away dejected. He certainly walked away aware that he loved his things more than he loved God. And that's the biblical definition of too much is when we have so much, we can't let it go for God. Anything that becomes more important to us than God, whether it's a very little or a great deal, is too much. There's a wonderful... Wonderful scene in that book, The Lord of the Rings. Again, if you don't know the book, if you're not interested in that kind of literature, I still would encourage you to get familiar with it. It's the largest selling book of the 20th century. 150 million copies sold. It's overwhelmingly influential. Um, there's a scene in that book where they're in the middle of a battle and, and some, some people are taken prisoner. And... The, the bad guys are trying to get them to their fortress to, you know, um, interrogate them. And they know there are people who might come to rescue them, but those people won't even know for sure whether they're alive or not. So one character, he's in the middle, he, he's, he's being carried barefoot through, uh, along, he's running along, um, sort of tied up, his hands tied, and um, he's surrounded by all these iron-shod soldiers. So he knows he's not leaving a single footprint. The people who love him, the people who might come and rescue him, don't even know that he's alive. Well, at one moment he gets an opportunity and breaks free and runs off to the side to try and leave a few clean footprints in the mud. And as he's running, he has one very precious thing which has been hidden on his person. It was a small brooch that was given to him. And it was very precious because of who gave it to him. But he knew it was one thing that would uniquely mark him out. So as he ran and tried to leave a few uh, clear footprints, he took that thing and he threw it. Well, eventually his rescuers did come along behind. They did find the trail that he left. They found that brooch. And they, did, they were rescued later in the book. And when they were rescued, the tracker gave him back the item. And he, he received it back with like, just with tears saying, ah, it was so hard to throw that away, but, but what else could I do? And the tracker said, nothing. He said, a person who cannot cast away a treasure at need is in fetters. Let me say that again. A person who cannot throw, cast away a treasure at need is in fetters. I read that line at 12 years old. And it was so powerful, it just stuck with me all these years. This young man was in fetters. And Jesus came to free us from every bond. We think we'll be generous when we have enough. But psychological study after psychological study has shown that people who are generous when they're rich were generous when they were poor. And if things get changed and they stop being rich and they become poor, they're still generous. 
Generosity comes from knowing that we have enough and we know we have enough when we have Jesus Christ. We know how generous God has been to us that He has given us the most precious thing He possesses, His own Son, for the sake of our salvation. And because God can be so generous to us, we can be generous with what He's given us. I had to do a funeral yesterday for a man I didn't know. He'd been a member of this congregation many years ago when Pastor Adams was the pastor. And despite the fact that they left this community more than a decade ago, um, this man, it was a very full funeral, it was a very large funeral. Um, which showed the impact he had had in his life. And this is what I heard people talking about, was how kind and generous he had been with his time and his love. Um, and it reminded me of another funeral I, was, I had done a long time ago. Uh, the man in the casket was very wealthy. And most of the talk in that room was about what had happened to his money. And I overheard one person say, well, how much did he leave? And another person kind of sarcastically said, all of it. (laughs) The time is coming when all of us will leave all of it. And the only thing we will have left is our relationship with God. When that time comes is now. Now is the time for us to put our house in order and cast away any treasure that is keeping us away from our Savior. Anything we value more than Him. Because when we have Him as the most important thing in our lives, then all the other things He gives us for a season to make use of, we can use the way He wants we can be as generous with the things which we steward for Him as He has been in giving His life for us. Will you join me for a word of prayer? Heavenly Father, we are anxious about many things. We worry about how we will make it in this life and yet... You have conquered the world in your Son, Jesus. Help us to treasure our relationship with you through him above everything else in our lives. That we can truly be generous with our time, our talent, and our treasures. Glorifying you for the work you've done for us and caring for the world for which your Son gave his life. This we ask in his holy and precious name. Amen. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. Not be all else to me, save that thou art. Be thou my best thought in the day and the night. Waking or sleeping, thy presence my life.